This is Chasing Encounters, a podcast about stories, languages, cultures, and identities. We highlight diversity and intersectionality in contemporary society through respectful and thought-provoking conversations. Hello everyone and Happy New Year. In this new episode of Chasing Encounters, we have a crossover episode with unstandardized English host, Justin. It was such a great conversation. So here you will hear the result of that conversation. And I will post the link for the continuation of this conversation so you can follow uh, in his podcast episode as well. We know that this podcast is about stories that connect us and help us to enlighten our visions about future and our lives, etc., and encourage us to move forward in terms of language, culture, and identity. I always like to ask questions that are a little bit personal, but not necessarily too personal to, to the people that I engage with. And then maybe you can tell us a little bit about your grand background, your city, your country, your sort of your family, etc., etc., like a couple of minutes of what do you want to share with that audience today? Sure. Well, so I was born in New York, um, 1986, for those who are curious. And uh, I've lived here pretty much my whole life, except for a couple of uh, relevant detours that I'll get to. So I grew up here and, you know, my family, my mother is from Philadelphia and my father is from North Carolina originally, although by the time I was born, his family lived outside of Washington, D.C. So when I went to visit, like my grandmother, I didn't go to North Carolina, I went to Washington, D.C. So it was mostly all Northeast, even though my dad is, you know, Southern in a lot of ways. Um, so the thing is, whereas a lot of people, you know, have, you know, first generation, second generation, we are very clearly descendants of slaves, right? So mm-hmm. I don't, if people, and you know how people get, they say, no, but where are you really from? I'm from New York, right? Like, <laughs> that's it. I don't have an answer for you that's better than that. I don't mean you, I mean people. Um, we have been, at least my dad's family was in North Carolina and South Carolina since the records stopped existing. Um, and part of that, which happened subconsciously, but generally, you know, I've thought about is why I've so grown attached to New York, because it's one of the only places I can claim as my own in some ways. Um, my, so I went to college in New Jersey, which is right there. So that's not really any different. And then I went to South Korea after college because I didn't know what to do with myself. It turns out I fell into this career, right? But uh, when I finished college, I was just on my dad's couch and I was like, ah, I don't know what to do. So I went to South Korea and I, while I was there, realized that I really wanted to work with language and work with language learners and language students and so forth. And then I decided I needed to get a degree because I did not know what I was doing. Uh, so I came back and went to get my master's and I've been involved in, in that since then. And although my current position, which we don't need to go too much into, is not in language, it's, um, I'm still studying it in school. So, you know, I've stayed involved in, in language um, professionally since 2008. And uh, I'm, you know, that's where I plan to remain. Um, And as far as, you know, more about my background, uh, I haven't, I've talked about this on my own show, but I 
was always a little bit feeling out of place, feeling a little bit uncomfortable with my uh, my heritage because I grew up in very, very white spaces. Mm. And um, I mean, people can't see me, but <laughs> but I'm black. And uh, although I guess when I said descendant of slaves, they might have figured that out. But um, so I grew up and I went to mostly private schools and I was not always, but often the only black face where I was. Um, and as a kid, I noticed it, but I didn't really internalize what it meant that we were one of the few black families that were there. Um, obviously my family when I was home was black, but then this continued and you know, college, another quote unquote white space, um, and then even professionally, most of what I've done, even in language teaching, which is part of what I'm writing about, it's been white spaces. And I only in the last couple of years have I realized that that has taken a pretty heavy toll on me because it's, uh, it's something that shouldn't be the case where if you and my parents, you know, from what they did professionally had more money, if you get to having more money, then all of a sudden it means that you're in a white space, right? That's what it means, you know? And so that was something that I've really been thinking about grappling with. And it's something that I've wanted to put into my work and into my studies. So I think a lot about uh, race and whiteness in language teaching and what it means and what can be done with it and about it. And so that's sort of what got me to where I am. Nice. Very interesting background story. Now, um, probably I would shift gears a little bit, uh, move to our topic for today. And because you know, and we all know, and I want the audience to know that this is a crossover episode in between, in between your podcast and my podcast. So I would like to ask a few questions regarding the making of a podcast, because sometimes we don't, we don't necessarily talk about these issues. We just suffer and do all the thing behind the, the, you know, the scenes. So for you, why, why doing a podcast? What's the reason behind that? So the funny thing is, um, over the summer, I was just, I had all these ideas, right, about language and race and so forth. And I live with my wife, as one does, and my dog, who does not speak. Well, he speaks, but I don't know what he says. Um, and... I was basically telling her, my wife, not the dog, uh, <laughs> about everything that I was thinking. And she was very interested, but she said, Justin, I'm not a language scholar. Like, th th this is not a conversation that we can have all of the time. You're just talking at me. And she said, maybe, Justin, you should do something with all these ideas and talk to different people about it. And I said, huh. So then I got the idea of talking to different people about it. And she said, no, maybe you should record it. Because most of my best ideas ultimately come from my life. Um, so then I said to myself, all right, maybe I can do that. But I, you know, I started, I said, oh, it's going to be too hard. Oh, I'm not going to, I don't have the equipment. I don't, I'm not, what am I going to do? I don't have a, like a studio, right? And she's like, you don't need it, just do it, right? Uh, and then I got to just doing it and, it, and it's been really fun because some of the connections I've made through posting it and sharing it and having people listen to it have been some of the most fruitful conversations I've had. So that's how I ended up starting it and um, 
how I got to where it is. I would notice that at the, at the beginning, I, you know, wasn't trying too hard in terms of getting all of the particulars right. Because I was like, nobody's going to listen to this. This is just for me. <laughs> you know, like I'm not going to put all this effort in for 10, 10 people to listen. Um, but then, you know, people did, you know, it's not like big, but like, you know, I get, I get like, you know, 70, 100, you know, the most I got in a couple of episodes, like two, 300. And I was like, all right, that's more people than have gone to the presentations I've made at conferences. So, (laughs) so, you know, that's, you know, and and the thing is, if I get 30 people at a conference presentation, I think that that's good. Yeah. So if I if if I'm getting a lot more than that on an episode, I might as well put the effort in. So I've noticed I've been playing with different things lately to try to make the things a little bit more standardized. Although, as you know, my my podcast is called Unstandardized English, so they all sound a little bit different from one another. Right, right. No, it it totally resonates with uh, similar ideas that I have, and uh, one 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 of the things that I relate to what you just said is the idea of people at conferences and how much money slash um, time we spent on going to conference and doing all of these things, and then you ended up with two three people in your presentation, <laughs> maximum ten, and then what about the idea of disseminating knowledge? Is the how is this happening? You talking to. 10 people and maybe you take, talk to other 10 people on the hallways and probably dinners or whatever. And there's maximum probably 30 people total in my experience. Right. But then you're right. Like the podcast has helped out to, to, to disseminate the knowledge to wider community. Like in my podcast, at least 2000 people have listened to it around the world, you know, which is something that I never expected before. So I totally relate to that. So my next question related to the, to to your podcast is, um, have you seen or what do you think are the advantages or disadvantages of doing your podcast? You mean like in the specific way that I've chosen to do it? Yeah, yeah. What, do, you, do you see any advantages the way you do it and disadvantages? Well, the disadvantages are, although I'm changing it, that I started by doing it on my phone because the, the app that I use, you can do from your phone. But the problem with that is uh, I dropped my phone over the summer, so it doesn't work correctly. So it kept interrupting my recordings, and therefore I had a lot of problems in the first few episodes. Um, or I was, you know, just like the audio wasn't good, things like that. So the fact that the quality wasn't there, especially in the episode when I recorded with um, the woman, you know, Dr. Parisa Moran in, in Iran, and like I had to record that in my, my building's gym, which is fine, because it was like five in the morning. Uh, because she's in Japan. <laughs> so I had to go upstairs to the gym where nobody would hear me. But the problem <laughs> was that there's like uh, an air conditioner in the background. So the whole episode, but then she was quiet. So I had to turn the volume up on her. So if you turn the volume up on her, now all you can hear is the air conditioner. So it's like, <laughs> it, it, was, it was sort of a, an issue. Um, things like that. Um, but one of the things that I think has been beneficial is that it's really gotten me th- each episode builds on the previous one and it oh. has really helped um, interrogate the theories that I have been using in my research and my writing and you know each person who comes on pushes me to to reconsider that's not that people argue with me I don't mean that 
but I just mean I try to learn from everybody. Sometimes people have come on the podcast and then afterwards they're like, Justin, why don't you talk so much? Um, and I'm like, well, because I talk enough in the day to life. But what I mean is that they, I, I'm trying to listen to them. And, you know, sometimes I'm like, man, I really wish that I could get to be as, as forthright with these, as, as these people are on the things that they're thinking. And hopefully I will be at some point. Um, so, you know, I think that the way that I've chosen to do it, and especially the fact that they've been conversations, um, is also helpful because, as you say, in terms of disseminating information, right, you might get 30, 40 people in a conference or something like that, and then they say, yeah, I'll reach out to you. They won't reach out to you. Um, <laughs> maybe, yep, maybe, yep. maybe two of them do. But, uh, like, I, I, I did a presentation in November, and everyone, like, everyone in the room was, like, wrapped, wrapped attention. Like they really enjoyed it. And they did. Like they really enjoyed it. Um, the same topic as the paper I just got published. And uh, people want to talk to me afterwards. And that was great. I was just like reveling. I was like, oh, this is great. And the people said, I'll reach out to you. And two of them did. And everybody else didn't. And I was just like, all right, well. Um, and if you're doing the podcast, I want the episode, like, you know, you can always send somebody an episode, you know. Um, and because it's a podcast you almost have to make it accessible or else what is the point yeah you know a conference audience it needs to be accessible to them but a podcast unless you just want six people to listen needs to be accessible and i don't think that there is a whole lot of point in generating knowledge that is inaccessible right Oh, totally true. Definitely. I, I have another question here on my notes. How do you choose your guests or your topics? Are there any reasons behind to choose? Well, so my show, which um, I started because I wanted to sort of interrogate, I keep using that word, but um, interrogate some words, phrases, topics, whatever, um, in English that are not generally used or thought of as discriminatory, but are used in discriminatory, usually racially discriminatory, not just race, mostly race, but not just race, uh, ways. So for example, some of the earlier episodes were, like the first episode was about the word expat and how expat mm -hmm. is definitely used for a certain type of person versus immigrant or migrant, right? Mm -hmm. They don't really mean anything different. Like if you look at the definition, it just means person who has moved to country. But when you say expat, you're talking about white people, right? Yeah, Although yeah. I was considered an expat because I was a teacher and they knew I was going to leave. So it was like a whole interesting thing, right? Um, and I thought there was space for that because there's plenty of podcasts about language and there's plenty of podcasts about race and discrimination. And, you know, bringing those two things together it was something that I thought there was space for. Uh, so I made a list, literally a list over the summer of words I wanted to talk about. And the first few episodes were just words I picked from that list and then people who I had some sort of contact with on Twitter or some other way. The first person was someone I knew very well who I presented with in the past. Uh, and then from there. And then every so often I just put out a, an APB right an all points bulletin online. And I'm like, Hey, anybody want to be on the show? And people always say yes. Like the people that I have, I have 
two episodes, not including this one, uh, two episodes in the can, you know, ready to go because people responded to a message I put up in November. And I knew, especially because with the baby coming, we'll see how much time I have in the spring. And I knew before I go back to school, because my school semester doesn't start for a few more weeks, um, I wanted to get a bunch done. So basically it was, I had a list of ideas and then it has evolved because there've been a couple of episodes that are just me. Um, I did the first one that was just me at a desperation because I was coming up. I've been doing mine every two weeks, right? And uh, I was coming up on two weeks and I didn't have an episode. And I was like, well, better just talk then. Uh, and then now I use the solo episodes to explore something that I'm writing, a theory that I'm developing. And uh, I think of them as different types of things than the conversation interview episodes. So that's how the topics and the people are chosen. Nice. But it's, it's, it's changing though, because although I, the idea originally was like to explore a word or something like that, now it's, there's, it's been a little bit broader, right? There's, you know, the episode, is it most recent? Yeah, I guess it's still the most recent episode about white supremacy. You know, it mentioned certain words that are used in there, but it was more about the way that white supremacists operate on the internet, which is not quite the same as here is a word, let's talk about it, but it involves similar things certainly is about language and race. Right. So um, I have one, one more question about your podcast. In the end, or ultimately, what do you hope to get out of this project, this podcast? Is there any ultimate goal that you have out of this? Well, you know, I, I go back and forth on that. I mean, yeah, I, I like to keep doing it. But um, part of me wonders if there's a way I can weave the podcast into my dissertation research mm. next year um, because by then one hopes I will have a standard format down um, and you know what I want to do on my research is speak to people about their racial identity uh, specifically to racially majoritized people about their racial identity um, and Uh, one thing, and I, and I think that there is some evidence for this, they say that social desirability bias is a big problem, right? You know, so you interview someone, but because I'm black, they don't want to seem racist. But if they are the type of person that I'm talking about, and therefore the type of person that has really interrogated their own racial identity, then that bias shouldn't be there. Because if they're still trying to seem better for someone who's a person of color, then they haven't really done a very good job of interrogating their identity. <laughs> so I'm wondering if there's something to be done with you know, these type of interviews, and then you know, we'll see. If, I don't know what IRB would say about this. So I have to figure out if in the year between now and, and actually doing it, I can find a way in the literature or something to justify the inclusion of podcast interviews in some of the research I'm doing because I think that that would make I don't see the point in doing the same type of dissertation a lot of people have done I mean yeah, what is you know I don't I just want I don't want to be in another you know uh, example a stack on the pile um, so I would like to do something innovative. And yes, the fact that the writing could be good is innovative, but still, like, I want people to be like, oh, that's the, the, the dissertation or the article or whatever. 
um, where they did something really different, you know, that where they, did, they were innovative, they were creative in the way that they approached things. Um, well, maybe it won't be possible, maybe, but like, I feel like you put so much work into your dissertation, it would help if there was something interesting or different about it. And then you could be one of the first people to do a certain things. So I don't know. That's the idea. We'll see what actually happens. No, this is, this is a great idea because um, like you, I also been thinking about podcasting or doing podcasts uh, as research, right? Mm -hmm. Although my idea mainly was related to podcasts as dissemination of research, but now I'm thinking more into how can these be part of research, although it's not part of my own personal Uh, dissertation for my doctorate studies but uh, I've been exploring that and then there are two specific resources that are later I will post somewhere uh, two books that you may also think about it is called podcasting hacks tips and tools for blogging out loud and then the other one is uh, oh, where did it go? communicating your research with social media a practical guide to using blog podcast data visualizations etc so it's a good thing how people now are using Uh, podcast uh, for for uh, as as not for research but as research and I think this is going to be and I agree with you this is going to be the, the the now and the future of research as we are moving forward to different ways of doing things and not the standard uh, way of doing things hence the unstandardized way of doing things which I love <laughs> I um I saw a couple of articles there just aren't very many so like the problem with it is that you know you got to do your literature review and you're supposed to find a gap in the literature but the gap mm -hmm. can't be so big because there's none of it right mm -hmm. so like how, how can you be the first to do something well what you have to do is find interdisciplinary things that are related to it right so you can say um well i found this article with um, a, you know, a public focus group. I don't know, right? Something mm -hmm. like that, where it's some sort of public interview, where the, the public nature of it was, uh, was part of the research, right? Then you can say, well, the podcast is a public interview. Like, you know, you, you, know, you, can, you can draw those lines. Um, and a big part of my research anyway is trying to draw interdisciplinary lines because I think part of the, the struggle in, in the field of language studies is that uh, it's been so, so dominated, so thoroughly dominated for so long by a fairly narrow mindset that, uh, you know, you have to, and you go back to the same well whenever you do the, you know, literature review, but if you want to do something different and take it in a different direction, then the evidence, sorry, I shouldn't say evidence, but the <laughs> empirical research has not been done yet. And because it hasn't been done, then, the, well, then you, you can't get the study approved because, well, what's the basis of, and, you know, the circle, the circle, um, which is, as we know, why journals are a problem. We don't need to get too much into that. <laughs> got it. No, definitely. I got it. Uh, before we finish this uh, part, first part of our crossover episode, I have a question regarding one thing that you said earlier today, which got me thinking, I want to get your thoughts about it. The idea of developing a theory, you said something about you were developing a theory and then in your solo uh, podcast episodes, you sort of uh, talk about your, your, your developing these theories and then, How do you feel about giving away your ideas in the public 
aren't you fearful that somebody out there will pick up your ideas and sort of uh, use them as if they were them? And the reason why I'm asking you this question is because me as a person of color, non-native speaker of English, sometimes I have ideas that I share them with people in either in a presentation or in person or maybe on the podcast and then people out there take these ideas and then because they are quick at writing and, and doing all of these things, they quickly publish ideas. And then I feel like, Oh my God, I like a few weeks ago, I was talking about this with such and such person and this person published that same idea and I'm still working on, I'm still working on that. So how do you feel about doing that, developing ideas, developing theories and then giving them to the public? How do you feel about it? Well, because my wife would, tell, would say the same thing. She says, stop telling people things, Justin. Um, so the, the solo episodes thus far have, um, there was one that was about my experience with rap music, which wasn't so much a theory, but it was just some opinions. So I didn't really feel like that was one where people could take the idea. Um, and then the other one was the presentation I actually gave at the conference recorded. So that one, like it was already public, right? So I didn't really feel bad about it. The other one that I have recorded that I'm waiting to do, which I'll probably put up sometime in March, is indeed some original thought. And that is definitely a consideration, which is why I'm just sort of holding off on it for now. Um, I wrote a, an article that basically is the same as the podcast. not the same, but it's the same ideas as the podcast. And I submitted it to a journal. So I want to see if they dismiss it or if they, you know, whatever, um, if they are going to work with it, then I'm not going to post the thing online until it gets farther. Yeah. If they reject it, I will decide, do I want to keep trying to rework it until it gets into something? Or do I just think that the idea is interesting? Um, and want to share it because that is certainly true especially in, in marginalized groups like uh you uh if you don't what i try to do and i to make to make it harder for people to just wholesale steal my work mm -hmm. is i try to write in a unique way um i i know when it's something I wrote and something that someone had would have had to change completely. If it's just an idea, it's very difficult for me to say that because unless I, unless I wrote about it publicly or spoke to someone directly that someone stole it. But I know when I wrote something because I try to put a lot of my voice into the work that I do. And uh, so that makes it, easier to 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 keep ownership of something nice okay so this is it for my first part of the crossover episode we just had jpb gerald thank you so much for coming to the episode this is jesse ortega and this is chasing encounters hope this year brings your wealth health and prosperity folks